0: Last week we talked about gospel clarity, uh the message that we share, knowing what the truth in that message is and just how important it is that we that we know as the followers of Christ what it is that we are sharing and and that we understand the full truth of the gospel and 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 that we we have this message all put together in the right place. We understand what it is that it means to be saved and how it is that that Christ came and saved us and and made a way for us to be added back to the family of God, uh, and, and and that it's so important for us to know that and to be ready to to talk about that with the same kind of clarity that the apostles, as we've been seeing through Acts, uh, have been have been sharing. Uh, and so as we continue uh, this week in our series on the ways that God is building His church, uh, I just want to reiterate just just the the the, the joy of the truth that is knowing. You know what Christ has done and what it means to be saved and all that. Brought in, and, and I know that that for for some of you, as you hear, there's this specific message that we're that we're we're called to share. That that maybe that can fill you with even a little bit of anxiety. You know, thoughts of like, uh, you know, what if I what if I tell it wrong? What if I tell it at the wrong time? What 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 if, what if it's my is it my fault if somebody hears this and and they don't believe? Have I done something wrong? And that's why, why they didn't. Um, why they didn't accept it, why they didn't believe it, why they didn't begin to follow Jesus. Um, so it's it's important for us to not only understand that the message and the truth in that message that we're called to share, um, but, but what our power and our responsibility is within it. Um, and that's why this week uh, we're going to talk about how God builds his church, but specifically that in one of the ways that God builds his church is that he builds it be- because he's the one he is bringing about the results. He is the God of the results. Yes, yes, he's given us the message. Yes, we ha- we know exactly how it is that we're supposed to share it. But God is the one who's going to bring about the results. And we can't really talk about this idea uh, without at least taking a second to get a little bit theology nerdy about it. Um, and, and, and talking about, you know what it is, the way that we've taught this, this concept, um, you know, historically. And we've, we've taught it through this, this concept that is clearly demonstrated in the Bible uh, called election. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and give you uh, a definition of election. Election is the act of God from eternity past choosing who would be his people. Uh, And and I say that and you're like, what does that mean? He's choosing who his people are. I I can give you an example. In the Old Testament, when God called Israel out and said, you are going to be my chosen people, that act, that was election. That was God saying, I'm picking you out of everybody else and I'm going to do some miraculous and amazing things in your life. And through through the work that I'm going to do through you, I'm going to bless the entire world and, and we're now the recipients of that as well. Uh, as believers, as followers of Jesus. But uh, all of that is happening. All of the results, all of that happening together and working itself out is happening because God is the one who is in control, in power, and bringing that about. Um, I'm just going to kind of read you a couple verses in Acts just to kind of get you thinking about what I mean when I'm talking about God being in control and God being in power of bringing about the results of carrying out that gospel mission that he gave us, having that gospel clarity. Uh, the first one is Acts 11, 18. It says, When they heard the things, these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to eternal life. And I want you to hear that. God has granted repentance that leads to eternal life. Acts Thirteen forty-eight. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. That that's a big idea. This idea that that God is at work. That God is the one who is who is working out these results, and that He is moving in the heart through. And we can we can get into all the details about through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's working in the heart. That's not really the point that I'm trying to make this morning. That's not really, I don't want to get into the nuts and bolts and how every single little detail of that is working and how that's at play. What I'm far more interested in is, is that we have a clear understanding about why it matters that we understand that God is in control of the results of the work that he has called us to, why it matters to us and what that means for us as the church. As we carry out this gospel mission, as we try to obediently and and faithfully um, say the words, speak the words that God has given us uh, into a world that needs this message clearly preached. Uh, So uh, the first point that I want to make this morning is that the results as God gives them to us. And sorry, I'm trying to keep my PowerPoint up here. The results are for God. And they're not about us. Uh, it, it's important for us to realize this because because it's often a temptation to think, "Hey, look at hey look at how many people I have I have brought to faith, and look at this." And 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 I want us to just remember that that all of these good things that God is working out ultimately, like all of creation, everything that God has done, He's done for the sake of His name, so that He could be glorified. I just want to read a couple of quick verses here. Uh, the first being Acts 12, 24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Acts 13, 49. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Acts 19, 20. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Over and over and over again, we're seeing this idea. It's, it's, not, it's not just that people are believing in Jesus, but it's the name of God is being made famous. It's that he... He is having his name go out and people are understanding who he is and he is the one who is being glorified. And that is an amazing, amazing thing. It's not, and the disciples did so many amazing things and everybody thought they were just rock stars. And that can sometimes be a temptation for us, right? As the church, it can sometimes be a temptation to say, look at all of these things that I have done. Look at all these things that I've accomplished for the church. Look at all these great things and we can, we can naturally try to, you know, heap all of these accolades on ourselves and look at the ways that we've been successful. But every single time we see these words of success being demonstrated here in Acts, what we're seeing is that it's the name of God being made great. And when we're successful, when we see great things happening, when God is bringing about these amazing results, ultimately he's bringing those things about so that his name is glorified. And that's important for us to remember because, because it's the gospel. It's the word of the Lord that's increasing. The church is growing, yes, but, but it's making much of God. And that's what's the real victory here. The real victory is that God, God's name is being made great. So first first point, the results are for God and they're not about us. Secondly, the results are big and overwhelming and this is this is when we start talking about results in acts this is often one of the ideas that we that we hold on to really tightly because because in acts there's so many great examples of god working out these big amazing moments uh these big huge numbers and these sorts of things and and i don't want to lean away from that i don't want to shy away from that i mean if there's anything that we in the church have been good at throughout our history it's taking attendance, right? It's taking attendance. Every year we fill out a form for our church association that says, how many people attended this? How many people came to Sunday school or community group? Uh, how many people were baptized? How many people, you know, what was, your, what was your average tithing like? Like all of these sorts of things. We're really good at keeping track of our numbers. And I think there's a reason for that. And Acts gives us reason to do that. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of breeze through a bunch of these really fast just to kind of give you that idea. Acts 2, 41, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people were saved in one sir after one sermon, one, one altar call, right? One, one set of 3,000 just as I am's, whatever it is, right? 3,000 people were saved. Acts 2, 46 and 47. The very next like section here. And day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Daily, more and more people were being added. Acts 4 but many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. These numbers are getting bigger and bigger. Acts 5:14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. Acts 11:21 and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And, and, th- and I had to cut so many of these verses from, from here. There was just, there's so many examples in Acts of God saying, look at what I can do. Right? We're just saying, look what God has done. Like, and I, and this is this is kind of the point I think behind so many of these numbers. The thing that we're really starting to see as we kind of as you progress through Acts, it starts with it starts with a few people. They started as a group of 120, about 120 people, and then 3,000, and then daily, and then 5,000, and then multitudes and multitudes being added. Right? We're talking about exponential growth here. Speaking of exponential, that's a, that, that is a phrase that we have heard a lot recently. If you listen to the news, the idea of exponential growth over the last few months in our country, around the world, everybody's talking about this. Look at the way that this, this pandemic has grown or look at the way that the cases or the, the, the mortality rate or, or, or whatever it is that you're seeing. Look at the way that things are growing. And we look back because, because it's important for us to look back and say, look at the way that this virus, just to kind of take, take the COVID situation, has been affecting us. But, but it's important for us as the church to know we should look back and see how God has worked. God has added people. God has added results. God has built up his church in this way. God has been the one who has been moving in the hearts of people to bring them and add them into the church. This is a big deal. We, we don't look forward and say, well, I guess God might work this way in the future, just like we really shouldn't determine everything based on you know guessing what might happen going forward. Unless it's prophecy, prophecy will allow. Prophecies prophecy is okay. But but just to kind of make the point, like the reason we, we keep track of these numbers, the reason that, that acts is giving us all of this data, so we can look back and say. Wow, this is just more and more evidence of what God has done, how God has worked in the past, what God has, has accomplished and how we should be confident that he's going to continue to bring about these big and overwhelming results moving forward because he's so consistently done that in the past. He's never demonstrated that he's changed how he's going to work. He's never demonstrated that he's going to do anything other than continue to bring about these kinds of results. We, we can understand what we expect to see in the future based on what we've seen in the past. That's why it's so important for us right now that we look at a curve and see that it's flattening or we see that there's a downward tick in new cases. That, that's why we look back and say over the course of the past week, two weeks, we've seen these things changing because that's what's going to inform us as to how we should react and move going forward. That's why we as the church have to look back at what have we seen God doing in the past? How have we seen God working in the past to inform how we should expect to see the results brought about moving forward? It's why we shouldn't all of a sudden feel guilty or say, it's my fault this person wasn't saved because I didn't say something right. Or, or it's why we shouldn't say God's not going to continue to do a, do big things because we've seen that God consistently throughout history has continued to work out amazing and over Overwhelming things. So so God brings about these big and overwhelming results. But at the same time, when God brings about results, sometimes those results are small and personal. It's not not just that that all of these big, amazing things are happening. It's, it's, It's worth getting excited about these big things that God has done. But at the same time, we have to remember that for every single big thing that he did, every time we see one of these big overwhelming moments, that is affecting individuals in a very personal way. Yesterday, um, ETSU had their graduation and obviously we didn't bring, you know, 15,000 people into the dome and we didn't have all of the people in one room all at once. So we, we put out all of these virtual videos for people to watch and and it was really cool cuz we talk about all these numbers look 2200 people are being are are, are graduating today or walk, are 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 virtually walking or receiving their virtual degrees and we talk about all these numbers look at all these people who are receiving honors or have 4.0s or are are going into this society and we have all of these big things that are happening you know i was sitting here babysitting all of my my youtube live streams as they were going out i'm like look at how many people are watching right now i've got this many like at one point it's like i got two thousand people watching all of these videos that we've been working on over the last few weeks and on all of the people that have put in all this time to put in all this stuff we're looking at all these big amazing things that were happening and we could look at it in just that big and overwhelming way but then as the as the graduation went on as the videos went on you started seeing the personal responses from different people. They take a picture. Look, this is me. I have finished college. I am receiving my degree. It was a very personal experience just for them, and it was a special moment just for them. They were were an individual inside that massive crowd, and sometimes we can look at these big numbers and acts, and we can say, wow, God's doing so many amazing things, but when he does save 3,000 people, For each of those 3,000, that is a very personal experience that each one of them are experiencing. God is working out salvation, and it's great for to be happening in the masses, but Acts keeps reinforcing this one idea that God doesn't lose sight of individuals at any point during this process. Uh, In Acts chapter 1, we see the the apostles... um, trying to replace Judas among the 12. And they cast lots and it says, the lot fell upon Matthias. Like God individually chose Matthias to be the one to replace Judas among the apostles. That was a very personal thing that God worked out in his life. In Acts chapter eight, we see this individual moment between Philip and the Ethiopian where they're sitting down talking and the Ethiopian is like, I want, why can't I get baptized right now? That is, that's not just a big number thing. That's God working in the heart of that one individual, and Philip baptizes him on the spot, right? That is that is God working in the heart of one person individually. I have one verse that I'm going to bring up here because I think it, it just says it so well. This is Acts 16, 14. Uh, one who heard, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by God. God focused on that one person, opened her heart and brought about salvation. God worked in that amazing way. He worked in her life individually. And then then for me, probably... Probably the, the the most, I guess clear example of election working out uh, in Acts has always been Acts 9, uh, the conversion of Saul. Uh, if you remember, Saul was out persecuting the church, dragging Christians off to jail and, and persecuting them because because they were not continuing to follow in the way that um, the, that Judaism was was encouraging people to continue with. And so so one day on his way to persecute the church, God knocked him off his horse, shone down in a bright light, and Jesus said to him, I have a different plan for you. If that's not God bringing about a change in somebody's heart, I don't know what it is. That's not God bringing about an amazing result, giving Saul a new identity, giving him a new set of motivations, a new direction to go changing his name, giving him a whole new identity where he would now become one of the great missionaries in the history of the church who would write so much of what we, we now hold so dearly to in the New Testament. That's, that's a result because God has been working that out in his life. Paul's conversion, clear demonstration of God bringing about amazing results. And so 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 I want us when we think about this idea of God being sovereign over everything. Yes, that that can mean about that can mean big things, but that is still personal to you. If you are part of the church, if you have been saved, that is because God has individually felt like bringing you in. That is that is God bringing you in. He thinks of you as an individual. You're not one who's lost in the mass. And you you you're you're an individual created by God for a specific purpose and he is working his purpose out in your life and that is that is an amazing amazing thought um so and here's one last point that I want to make uh this morning and that is the the results are not the journey God is sovereign over both right God, God is sovereign over bringing people to salvation. God is sovereign over these amazing resulting things that happen in our lives. God is, God is sovereign over bringing us into his church and ultimately bringing us into his family and adding us to the church and, 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 and giving us this great reward. But I don't know about you. Right now, it often it's easy to fall into the temptation to only think about what the negative things are that I'm experiencing right now. And I just want to make this point, we'll, we'll get we'll get into this more next week. Just because things are bad now does not mean God is not still in control. God is in control of both the end and the means by which he gets us there. Uh, we're we're going to focus more on that uh, idea next week. Um, but the path that you're on right now, the, the directions that you're going, the things that you're facing, uh, you may still be... Uh, sitting at your house and feeling unable to leave, you may have been furloughed or you may have lost your job entirely as a result of of all the recent events that we've been facing. But what I want us to focus on is that that God is still in control of these things. And it's important for us as the church to remember that. Uh, I'm just going to read read one verse because just as an example of this, this is this is from acts twenty. this is this is the very end of the book of acts. Uh, and and it says this is talking about Paul. It says he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, what you don't necessarily see in that is that Paul's under house arrest. Like like things aren't great for Paul. He's not traveling anymore. he's he's under house arrest in Rome ultimately where he's going to be martyred. Like, like all of these things sound not as good as when he was out traveling around and building churches and and seeing all of these amazing things happening that God was doing. All, all the big and overwhelming responses. But, but at the same time, God was still at work even during the, the bad times for him too. And we're going to, again, talk more about that next week. But I just I just want us to understand this idea that that just because we're talking about God being sovereign over where we end up, it doesn't mean that he's not also at work while we're getting there. And I and I want us to remember that because there's a couple things that, that the, these ideas mean for us. Because it's, it's a good reminder to us to still trust God uh, with the steps along the way because he's working those things out too. So uh, let's just talk about what are we supposed to do with this understanding that God is sovereign and God is at work in bringing about all of these results. You're like, why does that matter? Why are you so focused on saying that God is the one who's bringing about all these results? Well... One, because God is over the results, we should not become complacent. That is that is an important thought that has been a temptation for the church throughout its history. When we say, well, God's at work, God's going to bring about salvation, God's the one who's bringing about the results, why do I even need to do anything? Well, the first reason we need to do something is because he commanded us to, and we're supposed to be obedient to him. But but we're still being used by him as he brings about the results. So. So one, as we talk about this idea of God working out salvation, don't become complacent. Don't become lazy. Don't think that means I can step back and do nothing. No, no, no. All the more we should be excited about moving forward because 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 two, we shouldn't live in fear because the historical data should not lead us to fear because God is in control. God is working out big things. There's no reason for us to say, I can't do this because we now see that we have this this whole church history of data of God bringing about these amazing results through people who who were less than exciting on paper when you're like man the resume of all these apostles is really not that big a deal, exactly and God still brought about amazing things through them so so we can't we can't be we can't be paralyzed by fear because of what it is that we're called to do because God's gonna bring about the results so So we shouldn't become complacent. We shouldn't be afraid because we believe that God is going to do something because we know that he can. And if he does, that's amazing because he chose to. And if he doesn't, we shouldn't also feel guilt over the fact that he didn't. We should be satisfied that we were obedient to his call. Last thing, don't be overwhelmed by your current circumstances because God is still at work. And that's a temptation, right? To become overwhelmed, say things are bad or things are scary or things are overwhelming or I don't know what to do or I'm worried about what people are going to think about me if I continue to live my life in one way or another. There are so many things that we can face. And I just want to point out that, that when we're not being paralyzed by fear, we should also not be overwhelmed by where we find ourselves now, right? Because God is in control. He is working all of these things out and he's going to do, he knows exactly what he's doing and he's got a better plan than we could come up with. So just because things may be chaotic or difficult or hard, and I know things are hard right now. We were in a meeting this last week and somebody said, especially for those of you who have kids right now, things are hard. It's hard to get work done. It's hard to keep the kids excited about their school or it's hard to keep the kids from you know running themselves face first into a wall like like it is It is hard right now There are lots of things that we're facing that we've never faced before and most of us will hopefully never have to face again but, but we believe that God is still in control and we have thousands and thousands of years of church history to look back on and say, we see that God has continued to be good and faithful and powerful. And that is an amazing thing. That is an amazing truth for us to hold on to. So again, what are we to do? We don't become complacent. We're still, we're still called to be obedient. We don't live in fear. We don't become overwhelmed because God is, is in control. And God, as we continue to see throughout the book of Acts, is building his church. He is building CRCs, building Christ Reconciled Church. He is doing that. The things that we're seeing are because he wanted those things to happen. And he continues to build up his church through the individual, the personal experiences that he is sharing with each and every one of you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for what you have done and what you will continue to do, what we believe you are going to continue to do because because we've seen what you have done from ages past. And so God, I I thank you for your faithfulness to us as your church and I just pray that you would continue to strengthen us and fill us with the hope of knowing what it is that... That you have done and why you have worked in the ways that you have, so that we can just be overwhelmed in the joy of knowing that you are going to continue to do that through your church, God. These are these are strange and unique times that we we have not necessarily experienced, um, but God, we know that you are still at work and you are still doing some amazing, amazing things. And I just pray that you would continue to reinforce our our hope and our trust in you as you continue to work these things out, that, that we would rest in our knowledge that you are sovereign, we would rest in the knowledge that you are in control and that you are bringing about these amazing results and you will continue to do so. So God, I pray for those of us who are saved, who are part of the church, that you would reinforce that in us, that you would make us even more confident to, to, to charge forward knowing that we can trust that you are still at work. But God, I also pray that for those who are maybe listening to this that that don't know you that they would they would have that personal experience with you, that you would you would open their hearts to understand you would you would open their eyes to see you for who you are so that they could be added to the church and they would they would see what Christ has done that he died so that that their sins could be taken away and God I just pray that they would they would put their faith in you and believe that you are their only hope and God I just pray that you would add more to your church daily, those who are being saved, just like you've always done. I pray that you would continue to do that and that you would continue to use us as your servants here at Christ Reconciled Church and throughout the world, that the church would continue to be effective at adding, note, at, 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 at taking that truth, that gospel clarity that you've given us and sharing who you are and making much of your name and that you would give us amazing results. God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.